Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And before you're seated, here's my question. The three things that are talked about concerning the will of God, are they independent or are they progressive? Is it possible that the good is what we can do? The acceptable is what we should do and that the perfect is what we actually do? I want you to think about it because today I'm gonna preach on this subject and I know it'll get your attention. Stop doing what you can. Didn't get any amens there and that's good. I don't want you to say amen to that. But I mean it. We need to stop doing what we can and start doing what we should. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The first place that Jesus ever took his disciples was to a wedding. Let you know how he feels about marriage. And the first miracle that he performed was in John chapter 2. And I'd like you to turn there. Verse 3. John 2 and 3. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, notice this, whatsoever he saith unto you, Do it. Do not ask why. You don't have to understand. Just do whatever he tells you to do. God asks people to do the craziest things. Do you ever notice that? What sense does it make? If you want to conquer a fortified city, what sense does it make to walk around it and allow people to give you slurs and dump things on you? What a poor plan that is. And then on the seventh day, seven times. That's your plan? We're going to go into battle today and we're going to take torches and trumpets and and fire and we're going to stand on the mountains. And that's how we're going to defeat our enemy. We're going to go into battle today and we're just going to stand there and lift our hands and we're going to worship God. And God defeats all of their foes with these crazy battle plans because he's only testing their faith, not their strength, not their wisdom, not their numbers, just their obedience. Will you just do what I ask you to do? Even if you don't agree, understand, or know why. Because obedience 
brings blessings. Jesus Christ is the author of eternal salvation to them that obey, obey him. And he's always checking our obedience. And verse number six says, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And he turned the water into wine. Now, they can do it, but if they don't do it, the miracle does not happen. And Mary had instructed them previously, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So they have to ask themselves a question. If we want the wine, what should we do? Can is not enough. It's should that matters. Matthew chapter 19. Let me give you one more example. Behold, 19 and verse 16. Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What should I do? He said unto him, Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. But if you will enter into life, well then keep the commandments. He said unto them, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Remember the will of God? Good, acceptable, perfect. Here's perfect. If you will be perfect, Go and sell that thou hast and give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Could he have done this? Absolutely. Should he have done this? Yes, did he do it? No. No. I'll tell you why I think he couldn't or, or wouldn't do it. He probably thought to himself, everything I have, I have because I worked for it. Everything I have belongs to me and my discretion. I am not going to give it to a bunch of lazy people that don't work nearly as hard as I do. I've went to school, I've worked hard, I've, I've, done, I've, I've put in 60 hours a week when other people put in 40. I have what I have because of me and my efforts and my abilities and it belongs to me and I'm not about to shell it out to people 
that are lazy. And he walked away sorrowful because he didn't do what he should do. Didn't do what he should do. Now I'm going to say something here that will help you to understand some of the questions that you have in your mind about why God asks certain things of people. Okay, here we go. There are some things that are what we call principles. Uh, Other people would call them a part of the law. Others would call them commandments. Others would call them just principles that we live by. Because they are clearly defined in the scripture and they are for everyone. But there are some things that we call variables that God asks of certain of us that he does not ask of all of us. Can somebody show me in the scripture where Jesus has a scriptural precedent for being able to say that we are supposed to take everything we have and give it to the poor? It is not there. And he could have made that argument. Wait a minute. You quoted the commandments and I told you that I've obeyed all of those. Where does it say in the law that I have to give everything that I have to the poor? But Jesus said, if you're going to be perfect, if that's why you came to me, it's your desire to be everything that I want you to be, then I ask you to do something that I don't ask of everyone. And we'll see if you will do what you should do. And so God may ask of you something that he doesn't ask of me. He may ask of me something that he doesn't ask of you. So I don't get mad at you if you're not doing everything that that I'm doing because I know that God has principles but he also has variables and he can put those variables on anybody that he wants for their own good. I know I'm making you think today. I'm making you think. That's why some people, let me give you an example. No, I'm not going to give you an example. I'm going to let God speak to you about that stuff. God has got to speak to you about what he wants you to do and what he doesn't want you to do. It's got to be God. And you've got to be willing to do whatever you should do, not just what you can do. So how do we get to the point of knowing what God wants from us individually. Let me tell you this story. Michael walked right into my message today, and that's okay. Just saves me a little time. I won't have to go over one part because he covered it already. But I remember when I was a young man, and uh, I remembered what Saturday mornings were. Saturday mornings were the one meal. If my dad didn't work on Saturday, we all had breakfast together. And after breakfast, we did the dishes, and then if you, the, the daughters stayed in the house and did all the housework, 
and the sons went outside and we did all the yard work. But before we started those tasks, mom and dad would sit down at the kitchen table, spread out their bills. Dad had a big wad of money because he always cashed his check on the way home on Friday night. He got paid on a weekly basis. And he would bring that money home and he would, I remember him slapping it on the table and they would get the bills out and they'd drink their coffee and they'd figure out about how they're gonna pay their bills this week. The kids were not allowed to be a part of that conversation. You were not supposed to be anywhere near that conversation. Therefore, we never learned how to budget money. I never learned that. I didn't learn about a budget. You just live paycheck to paycheck. And they would talk about, okay, now first, first thing we gotta pay is we gotta pay the mortgage because we need shelter. Somebody said amen. We need shelter. So we're gonna pay the mortgage or the rent, whatever you have to pay. Then we pay the utilities. Then we have groceries. And they worked their way down the list. And by the time they got to the bottom, and I'd kind of eavesdrop every once in a while to hear how things were going. And they'd say, man, we just don't have enough to pay all the bills this week. We're going to have to set this one aside and we'll try and get after it next week. And I remember that. And I remember Sunday school. I remember on Sunday morning that my parents did not go to Sunday school, but they sent us to Sunday school. They came to the main service, but they sent the kids to Sunday school. I'm glad they sent me to Sunday school. There was a lot I learned in Sunday school that really helped me now. But what they would do is they would, they would line us up on Sunday morning and they'd say, okay, now you kids are going to Sunday school and you have to leave at this time. And they'd line us up and they'd either give us a dime or they'd give us a quarter and they'd say, and you put that in the Sunday school offering. Because when they pass that basket around, we want you to give something to Sunday school. They never told us what they gave to the church. Sometimes, and I'd always watch, you know, when the offering was taking, taking place. I'd watch my dad or my mom, and I'd watch if they put in an envelope so that nobody could see what you were giving, or if they threw in cash. And sometimes they, they just threw in a five or, or a ten. And I never knew what was in the envelope or the check if they wrote that. So I didn't learn about budgeting, and I didn't learn about giving to God. I just thought 10 cents or a quarter, five or a 10. And that's, I don't know how the church does it, but not my problem. They'll figure it out. It's still there. And so as a result, because I didn't know anything about budgeting, and I didn't know anything about giving, it was difficult for my wife and I. And of course, when you're young, you buy things on credit and, and you can't afford it. And pretty soon you get yourself into a real bad situation financially. That happened to anyone else besides me? Or am I the only one? Huh? Okay. I thought there might be a few of you like me. And so, that was one of the things that actually brought us to God. So, Eventually, we came to the church, and, and we talked. Uh, I had another set of parents. This time, it was a spiritual set of parents. It was the pastor and his wife. Great, 
great people, Pastor and Sister Tamil, heroes of my life. And they found out that we had trouble financially, so Sister Tamil said, well, come to my office and we'll help you with that problem. And so we came to the office with our shoebox and, and of all of our bills, and she's spreading them out and sorting them out and gets everything laid in a place that she wants it. I can remember this like yesterday. And she said, we need a budget. I said, yeah, we do. We need a budget. How are we going to do this? And she said, well, the first thing is we put God first. And she talked to us about tithing. Now, I didn't have the Holy Ghost. And I was not keen on tithing. I said, are you kidding me? We can't, we can't pay the bills. How would we give God the first 10%? Well, she said, all right, well, you just said it. You can't pay the bills. So your plan's not working. I admit I had a bit of an attitude. It was not the Holy Ghost. Okay, fine, 10%, fine, take it, put it on the top. If this don't work, I could come back to you and say, this was your plan. My plan didn't work, I admit that, but your plan ain't working either. Let me tell you something. If you put God first, you are doing what you should. If you don't put God first, you will be doing what you can. And when you get to the bottom of your list and you start paying all your bills and you say, okay, now what are we gonna give to God? You'll say, well, this is all we can. This is all we can give. Why? Because you're giving God what is Left over. Now, if somebody comes to my house for dinner and they bring a cake, I think they ought to get the first piece because they provided the whole cake. Is anybody preaching with me today? They provided the whole cake. God has provided 100% of what you have. Did you know that? Oh, no, no, no. I did it. You don't have any ability outside of the ability that God gives you. You don't have any job outside of the job that God provides for you. Therefore, you have nothing without God. And God should get the first fruits, not the last. So now, this is my one Sunday a year, so I'm going to do it. So now let me tell you how this all got started. Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, comes to God and says, I appreciate so much all that you've done for me. I'm going to give you the first 10%. It was not God's idea. It was Abraham's idea. And he gave to the priesthood the first 10%. Do not give anything to abundant life. Give through abundant life to God. That's the way you need to look at it. Always give up 
Never give out. Somebody say amen. This isn't too deep for you. Okay? I'm telling you how to be blessed and how to bless the kingdom. This should be exciting. This should be exciting to you. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, I, I took, well, let me finish my story so I can come back. So Abraham says, this is what I want to do. And God says, good idea. I'm going to make it a requirement for all of my people. And he makes it a requirement for all of Israel. And then Michael stands up and reads Malachi today and reads about, do you know that after the book of Malachi, God is so mad at Israel that he doesn't speak to him for 400 years? I don't like that idea about talking about money. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject when he was on the earth. Because it reveals our attitude and our values. It it hits the core of where we live. And when we close our hands, we can't receive. And God wants to bless people through your life. Somebody said amen. And so God blessed this principle of tithing. He confirmed it too. Take a look, Matthew 23, 23, when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and he said, you, you pay tithes of this and tithes of that, and, but you, you neglect mercy and benevolence and other things like that, and you should not leave the other undone. He reminds them, don't leave the tithing undone, but you're putting that above mercy and benevolence and kindness shouldn't be. Somebody said amen. And so we, we took Sister Tamil's principle and we applied it. And God has blessed us from that day to this. There's my amen corner right there. We are abundantly blessed. And so I offer you this challenge as a congregation. I challenge you for the next six months to put Jesus on the top of your budget. On the top of your budget. In your tithes and in your offerings. Yes, we are talking about heart for the house. And at the conclusion of the service, you get to come up and and grab whatever you believe God would and should have you to do. But you be faithful. Be faithful in your ties for six months and see if it doesn't change your income. Do you know that a person, let me show you how good a plan this is. I'm not sure that even Abraham knew how good of a plan it was when he, when he thought of it. Do you know that a person that tithes $4 a week because they make $40 is giving as much as somebody that gives $4,000 a week because they're making 40000 God says they're equal. He, and Michael, again, he quoted it. The widow's might. He ga- she gave more than all of them. She gave of her desire. See? It reveals, reveals our attitude. I think I've made my point, so let me go to my conclusion. Matthew chapter 21. Let's stand together.
Do you understand what I've tried to teach you today? I know this is teaching and not preaching. Do you understand the difference between giving what you can and giving what you should? To the rich young ruler, it was everything. What if God said that to us today? Do you know what he said to the early church? They didn't have a place of worship. He told them to sell their land. He told them, sell your house. Bring it to the feet of the apostles. Make sure that everybody's taken care of. Could God do that in 2017? Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. What think ye? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and he went. He came to the second and he said, likewise. And he answered and said, notice how respectful he is. I go, sir. He went not. Whether the twain did the will of his father, and they said unto him, the first. The first. Do you know what happened to the first? The first didn't want to go. But the first reconsidered and said, I should go. And he went. We're not asking you to compare yourselves among yourselves. We're asking you to ask God, not God, what can I do? God, what should I do? And it's different for every one of us. That's why there's so many different variables here. Would you please bow your heads with me just for a moment? Jesus, you have been so gracious. You have given all. You gave your life for me. And you've blessed me. Now help me to be a cheerful giver and a faithful and generous giver. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.